got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Cause when it rain, then it pours. Welcome to Put That Copy Down, the Freight Sells a Show for Closers here at Freight Waves. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host, and I have a special audio-only episode of this podcast, and it's with the guys from Freight 360, Benjamin Kowalski and Nate Cross. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. It's awesome to be back on. We always love hanging out with you, Kevin. Man, Same here. I, yeah, it's, it's always great having you guys on. You guys do a podcast called Freight 360 plus some other things now. But for those listeners out there that might not be familiar, let's get a rundown of Freight 360, the podcast, and what else you guys are doing right now. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been doing a podcast for, what, two, almost three years. Yeah, going on three years now. We're almost three years old as a podcast. Every week drops Friday, Friday morning, midnight Eastern time. We just talk anything freight. So a lot of this stuff is sales related prospecting and we we really dug into listener directed questions and topic requests lately so you get a lot of new folks that are just entering into the brokerage space that are trying to learn about you know the the legality of things and just kind of how things work and common and typical issues that they'll run into so we do that every week and we've expanded it into um some you know some youtube content with some shorter videos you know five to ten minutes long um you know and we we've got some folks that we work with outside of that on their individual needs kind of like in a, in a coaching type of environment so but that's uh that's kind of where we've gotten to over the last three years what did i miss ben uh a few other things i mean our community on facebook's now about forty-five thousand people downloads have gone up pretty significantly but i mean the only thing i'd say the big expansion was into youtube us doing more just you know an educational video once a week our we release our podcast there and we're just trying to put more just free content out there to answer questions because we're just getting more of them on a daily and weekly basis so hopefully you know it's just more you know fundamental information that's going to help people out there in their careers i think one of my favorite parts about the way that we do it is we both work in brokerage for our full-time day jobs and it's kind of like a a side fun thing that we do to you know to, to pay it forward and share the knowledge that we learned from you know the old folks back in the day that taught us our our lessons and what to do and what not to do so it's it's a it's fun to do it alongside you know, working in the industry every single day. And, and I keep on getting an email from the TIA with, with the two of you and Chris Jolly on, on coaching and you guys have a class. I don't know if it's already happened or it's coming up. Yeah. So um, we've been doing that for a couple of years. Yeah, be in our second year now. So they, so we've partnered up with them to, to kind of help out with their education. So TIA does a new broker success package or program where they have like a course that they put folks through in in conjunction with that they have a series of coaching sessions that their folks go through every two weeks and it, it, they do it on a trimester basis so over a four-month period they go through i think it's 12 or eight i, I forget how many they go through but ben and i pick up about four of those classes so just about once a month um we're on with um a, a new you know a new class or a, you know a group of students that are in a tia's new broker program there so and it's an honor too i mean ta has got a, a great bunch of folks over there and and ranky's doing a great job leading the organization and between ben and i and, and chris we've we're trying to do exactly what we do on the podcast but in a more structured environment so yeah 
Yeah, I, th- I think Anne is doing a great job over there. And I, I've seen it since she's uh, taken the reins. And and hopefully uh, she'll transform it into uh, bringing in a lot of the, the, the smaller smaller brokerages and and people that, that that need the help of of you guys and and all of us really as as coaches and and sales and brokerage and that's what we're going to talk about today is sales i mean we've had a changing market 2022 is not like 2021 whatsoever is it? no it's wild wildly different and here's what's funny too and we've talked about this in our stuff is that you've gotten a lot of you get, you know, like the, I feel like the turnover in brokerage is very high when somebody's new. So there's a wave of young brokers and they could be licensed or W2. They didn't know what it was like pre COVID, right? Like they don't know, they don't remember what happened when ELD mandates came out. They just, you know, they don't know what a, a normal steady market looked like in, you know, let's say 2019, but they're going into COVID. And then all of a sudden they start while, the COVID craziness is happening and drivers are getting $5 a mile for certain lanes. And all of a sudden, and same thing with drivers too. You get drivers that entered into it because they, they thought it's, this is so lucrative. I can make all this money. And now things kind of go back towards people are like, Oh my God, the market's crashing. It's like, it's, it's kind of residing back to where it kind of closer to where it was beforehand. It's kind of like when the tide comes in and then it goes back out. It's not crazy. It's just, it's cyclical. It's just, it was a really, there's a lot of factors that went into it this last two years that, you know, aren't typical or normal. Um, but the point I was bringing up is you get these folks that they don't know what the market or freight brokerage was like prior to, to COVID. So it's kind of a reality check for a lot of folks. I'd say one of the biggest things too is it, it hasn't cycled, right, for like the better part of two and a half years. Like normally the market cycles, so you've got tight and then it loosens and then you've got carriers that enter the market, you've got carriers that leave the market as well as brokers. And that just hasn't happened, right? It just fell off a cliff beginning at 19 when the pandemic happened and then a market got tight and then it was just a super tight carrier market for the past two and a half years. And I think everybody is now just so habituated to that, that like, it's almost a shock. And we're seeing like a lot of delay in what you would normally see happen in a week or so. We're like, we were just talking about this in the green room, what, eight months into the changing of the market back to where it should be and it still hasn't shifted right it's still stuck there it really is i mean it's been a wild year i just uh i did a, a sentiment survey on, on freight brokers and published that uh this week and you know shaky sentiment heading into q3 of 2022 and i i took a, a little shot at uh you know if you've been in the business you know post april of 2020 right You've never seen a down market. You've never yep. seen what we call a freight recession, right? You haven't seen contract rates, uh, 83 cents in, in sonar. That's what we have the spread at, 83 cents uh, above spot rates. And, you know, you've been sitting in your seat and the value you're providing is finding capacity. Well, that mm-hmm. is changed now. The, the the most valuable thing isn't finding capacity because everybody and their mother has- and brother can find a, a truck right now. So you have to get really creative and it's just a whole different world. Average freight cyclical market happens about every year and a half, so like every, roughly every 18 mm-hmm. months. And there was an entire sh- like shift in about 45 days at the beginning of COVID. And then it just, just went up, 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 up for like two years consistently. And now it's starting to go back down. Um, but to my point, one of the, I think one of the awesome things with a cyclical market in freight is that, 
when you're on one side, when there's a, a capacity crunch and it's super tight, your job is to try and be that person that can get that get that truck and have them stay reliable. Whereas when it flip-flops and you can get a carrier very, very easily in a lot of lanes, now your job flips to, well, now I've got to be able to service my customer at the highest possible level. So I think what makes the best brokers and brokerage companies out there are those that always keep in mind that your customer and your motor carrier are both equally important in the transaction. It's our job to advocate for both of them to be that middleman uh, instead of just, you know, when when carriers are super tight, you know, you don't want to just just be that person that's trying to advocate for your customer and get a truck and be pissed off at the drivers and then flip-flop, right? When drivers are a dime a dozen, you don't want to just go to the other side and just just try to find a driver, um, a load and, and not really think about, you know, taking care of the customer. So you got to be, you got to play both sides of the field. You, you do, right? I mean, you have to, to play both sides of the field. It's tough to do sometimes because... Uh, of incentives or, or or what you have, I mean, you need to develop those carrier relationships now because the next time that the market gets tight, uh, you need those already established because you can't develop great relationships when, well, you can, but it's much more difficult if you're starting from ground one. Um, you know, after after the market's tightened and uh, and those carriers are working for brokers that that already have relationships with. Yeah, Ben, and you, I'm curious to get your take on this too, because you've talked about it a lot as like when, when it was so hard to get a truck, so many customers would take your call because they all have issues, right? And now on the other side, this, it's like, this is the time to build your carrier relationships. Like you just said, Kevin. Yeah. And I think honestly, my opinion was always this. I remember the first time I watched the market cycle. In fact, for some reason, I just have this clear memory because I was sitting down with my manager at the time, Jason, and I'm like, Jason, I'm like, this is terrible. I'm like, I wish that because this was a loose market when I started when I started in freight brokerage, it was a loose market, right? So it was pretty easy to find trucks um, similar to now. And I'm like, boy, I'm like, I really wish this was tight. Like, I wish my customers had more issues or my shippers had more problems. And he's like, careful what you wish for, right? And I'll never forget when the ELDs happen and you saw night and day, like literally the exact opposite. And then you can't find a truck and like all of your all the shippers in the world will take your call. But if you can't get a truck, that doesn't do you much good either, right? And I think the biggest takeaway through like the first cycle was, or at least my big learning point was, I don't really care if it's getting tighter or looser. I just care that it's shifting because if it's mm-hmm. shifting, there's a likelihood that your shippers are reevaluating whatever they have, whether it's getting cheaper or more expensive, they're at least a little more inclined to take some phone calls because again, they're reevaluating everybody. To, to Nate's question or to Nate's point, you know, like, yes, it's definitely a little harder to get through to a shipper now because you know, eight months ago, everybody needed a truck every day. And if you had one, they're onboarding you, get this load moved, they would onboard you to move one load because they just needed the trucks that bad in a lot of situations. Now, I mean, and we were talking about this too earlier, like the spot market is cheaper than the contract market, right? And to just reiterate, like that's historically like cheaper. Yes. And that's like also saying like, Something I need in the next 20 minutes is now all of a sudden cheaper than the thing I know I need two weeks from now. Like that should never happen. Something that hey, is more Amazon figured it out, right? No, but you're dollars in subsidies later. But yeah, but so again, <laughs> to the same point, going back a second, like if you want to get in with your shippers, right? Yes, maybe they don't need to find the capacity, but guess what? Your access to the market right now, the whole market, is actually likely less money than what they're paying their their carriers directly, right? So there's a huge opportunity right now in this mm-hmm. market. 
There, there is. I mean, and, and you said it very well, Ben. Uh, it's all about volatility. You want the market to do something. And for those of us uh, that went through 2019 and in 2020, up until April or really March, once the pandemic started, you know, from the, the end of ELD mania to the pandemic, which stretched all through 2019, it was a dead market. Nothing. There was no volatility up or down. Nothing was changing. And that was that, that was difficult. That was a difficult market, much more difficult than it is right now. Yeah, I think 2019, because I, like, I always forget, I feel like I have like the, the, the COVID blur where it's so hard to see the past before March 2020. But I, I remember 2018 being nuts. And then 2019, I think, was the, the lowest percentage of growth that I that I remember seeing at the company I was with at the time. And it was it was weird because I had been there like six years or something like that. And I was like, wow, like we, you know, we'd grow like 10, 20 percent. And then the one year we grew like 40 percent. And then I think it was like single digit growth. And I was like, well, we're doing something right. But what, like clearly there's external market factors that have really, you know, pumped the brakes on that. So but I, I think the the bend to your point there is there's always an opportunity, right? And if, if you can leverage, especially in this market right now, leverage opportunities with carriers, especially like, you know, hey, we're in we're in the end of August, the end of the year is going to sneak up before you know it. So a lot of that seasonal freight that's coming up, this is the time. These are the opportunities you have right now. This is the time to get on the phone with them and see who you can, you know, if you're looking at pumpkins or Christmas trees or anything around the holidays or peak season postal, this is a great time to start building your carrier connections because when the need for those trucks come and it's reliable, consistent business, and it's a lot of it all at once, you've got to have carriers in your back pocket to be able to follow through to your customer. And then there, there, there are those pockets, right? There, there are those pockets that say, say that 10% of freight that, um, that, that, that their normal carriers or, or partners can't fill, can't find the capacity, can't find the capacity of the, the race they want. And, you know, there's that 10% of overflow that we'll see at peak season, right? It's it's going to happen. It, it might not be as dynamic as it was. Well, it won't be as dynamic as it was last year, maybe in 2020. Uh, but it's still going to be there and and picking those spots. And th- this might be the the time to. And I've always liked this strategy. I've used this strategy. It is not to be a primary carrier or or broker. Uh, not, but but to, to pick your spots, pick your your lanes that you can. You can add value to your customer that, that very profitable, profitable for you, right? Find those lanes from many different sources and put together a book of business um, that, that is highly profitable and and it's, it's much easier for you to make a living than trying to, to go in and claim 30 lanes from any one person. I think that's such an important point too, Kevin. I think the expectation, and when Nate and I were talking about bids too on our show this week in regards to like just the expectations, people that are new or even people that have been in this a few years that like mm-hmm. fill out hundreds of lanes in these RFPs. And it's like, <laughs> look, guess what? Like, and I think it's the expectation that they think that like everybody does that. And when they find out like even the largest mega carriers and the biggest brokers, they don't bid every lane. Not every lane's a good fit and you don't want every lane. And no. furthermore, like, even if this whole market is shrinking, right? The hundreds of billions of dollars, what, seven, $800 billion, whatever they, they say the entire freight market's worth, mm-hmm. like you don't need a large percentage of it. Even if that shrunk, right? The crumbs are worth millions of dollars, right? You could make literally millions of dollars off doing exactly what you're saying, Kevin, finding the niches and finding the areas that you're a fit for, for enough customers 
that are profitable and are a good fit for both. You're adding value to the shipper and vice versa, right? Like there's plenty mm -hmm. of opportunity no matter how the market is operating. Always. Yeah, I think that I want to add to that. Um, and this is probably a normal a normal thing to happen for someone that's new in brokerage is to, to think, yeah, I can be everything for everybody. And then they quickly realize that I've seen people that they, I don't know how they do it, but they somehow get handed a super specific hard to handle load. And they're like, what do I do? And it's like, well, now, now you're going to fall on your face if you can't figure this out quickly. And you just potentially lost the customer, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a dangerous place to be. And I think the, the people that I've seen, so like agents at my company that have done the best, they they lean in on what they're passionate about, what they're really good at, and what they enjoy doing every single day, and they become an expert at it, right? And they're like, ah, like they'll turn down business from some of their customers because it's not, you know, let's, let's say you focus on, I just want to deal with the hazmat. I don't want the dry, the, the standard mm -hmm. like dry van freight or anything like that. Because I have a you know a strong knowledge about this particular part of the market and the carriers that I've been working with over the last year or two, I, I you know I have a reliable relationship with them. So yeah, that's that's really important to have that niche. Here's the other thing too, Nate. When you tell somebody you can't do that or you're not a fit for it, your credibility goes through the roof with your trust, yeah. right? Because everybody else calling them is going, "Give me whatever you have. Send it over. What do you have? What are you working on? I'll take all of it. We can do everything. LTO, full truckload, parcels, whatever you got, we'll take it." And then you got the other guy on the other hand, it's like, look, this is really what I'm a good fit for. Why don't you find a broker that's a better fit for that? Now that person's trust and credibility just increased because one, they're being transparent, they're being honest, but again, they're not stepping out outside of what they know how to do, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't yeah. push your boundaries, but you know, a good man knows his limitations as well to some degree. <laughs> And that's a, such a great point, Ben. It really is. I mean, it's something that, that we don't talk about enough is saying no. Saying no, it really does increase your credibility because mm -hmm. uh, for all the reasons you listed, you earn trust by by saying no. And more salespeople should say no. No, we can't do this. Or no, I can't do this. I'll find you someone who could. Yep. Right? I'll find you a very confident person and be in that referral network and just sticking with what you know. And when I say sticking with what you know, doesn't mean that you, you're not always continuously expanding what you know, mm -hmm. but, but doing what you know, doing what you're good at, um, you'll get those referrals back. Um, but you, you really do become more credible, more trusted by more people. Once you start saying no, there's a, there's this cliche, Nate always laughs and always have some cliche for all, but it's the one for this one was Jack of all trades, master of none, right? The people that mm -hmm. think they can do everything tend to not have a very deep knowledge base in any one of them, right? Like they can no. do a little bit of everything, but they're never really strong suited for any one thing. Right. And I mean, we're in a capitalist country. We look for specialization. We look for doctors that specialize in the one thing that's wrong with you, mm -hmm. right? We go to see attorneys that are specialists in the one area you're having an issue in, right? It shouldn't really be any different here. That's kind of one of my, I kind of giggle at this. It's, I don't know if I call it a pet peeve, but you ever see the email signatures from certain brokers and it says like at the bottom, full truckload, LTL, overdimensional, oversized, expedited, white glove service, intermodal, air, rail, you know, ocean. And it's like, do you really do all of that? <laughs> no. Exactly. Not well. Exactly. Well, that's the next question, right? The company might provide all of these things, but is the mm -hmm. person you're speaking to well-versed in all of these modes of transportation? And to be honest, like, I don't can't think of anybody off the top of my head that knows every one of the things you've just listed well enough to be that good at any of them. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I do think that the company oftentimes forces that down looking for yeah. growth. They, they force that down saying, oh, we'll do anything. 
And the, the smaller the brokerage, the, the less expertise you have in several different areas, right? Um, and I think that's short-sighted by management and by owners in, in a lot of ways is to, to force people to be everything to, to everybody and then not be happy with the growth because you're chasing your tail on, on business that, that you should not be chasing. And you lose on that business. And there's a reason why you lose. And it's not because of your sales ability. It's because of your operational ability, really. Yeah. I mean, your expertise. And you have no differentiation, right? Like you yep. just sound like every other person that called them every day for the past two years, right? Because, because you are. Everybody... Exactly. <laughs> you are. You sound like <laughs> yeah. it because you are. And if you can be sounding like it, then you still have to execute it, which Everyone who's been in brokers knows it's very difficult to execute anything. Ben, there's a, there's a phrase that you've used, and it's a powerful line in prospecting calls that I, I want to bring up, and I'll let you expand on it. But you like to approach a sales call with the idea of, I'm not sure if we're going to be a good fit to work with you, right? Yeah, so it's funny. Kind of up front saying like, and it's almost like the customer's like, is, is he telling me no before I can even tell him no? But it's funny where I got that from. The first coach I worked with, the first sales coach, his license plate said go for no on it. Um, one of those like vanity plates. And that was one of the things he taught, which was the going for no technique. But it really is like if you it was a, there's like this premise that if if you get to know, you have to get to know before you can get to a yes. So if you can get to the no before the prospect does, there's only one place to go from there. It's either yes mm -hmm. or you're done, right? So you've gotten a lot of the objections kind of out of the way because you're like, look, to be honest, I'm, I'm reaching out because I, I don't know if we'd be a good fit. It seems like we would. I know we're running some lanes. It seems to be a fit. I'd run some commodities that are similar to what you guys do. We work with some of your customers. But at the end of the day, I don't know if your lanes and what you need are going to kind of fit up with our carrier base. I think it's worth the conversation. Now you're setting a tone, like to your point, like on the negative, like, hey, I don't know. I'm not asking you. I'm not telling you I can do everything you need. I'm being honest with you. And that's, to be honest, like, no pun intended, like that is really where every conversation starts anyway. Neither party knows whether you're a fit to work together. And it's at least honest and transparent, which usually gets you a more genuine response from your prospect. And I think I want to add to that is, you know, there's almost like a an autopilot response that a lot of either gatekeepers or traffic managers will have when a new broker calls them they get them off the phone very quick because they hear the same stuff over and over. But if you're different and you have a different approach to it, you, you throw them off balance, right? And now mm -hmm. they're going to actually have a real honest conversation with you instead of just cookie cutter. Oh, uh, we only work with asset-based companies or our, it's customer routed, you know, or fill in the blank. Yeah. Chris Voss and, and Never Split Difference. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read it. Uh, yep. seeing, seeing you probably have. I, 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 I'm going to assume that you read it because uh, it is letting your 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 adversary or your customer or your prospect however you want to 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 name that person giving them the ability to say no puts them in a safe space and extends the conversation so uh, i know a lot of the scripts out there you know dictate getting a bunch of yeses and just as as, as you guys were saying letting you know asking questions where you can get a no is much more powerful than getting a string of nonsensical yeses yep 100%. and when i yeah and i, I don't know if I, if I should even mention this but you know if you watch movies and confidence movies you know with, with con men con women um part of the strategy is 
being elusive, right? Saying no, no, you you know you cannot get in on this investment. You can't. No, I'm I'm not looking for this. And it just makes people want it even more because it's scarce, right? There, there's a great book to check out. It's called The Power of No, or it's the Power of Ah. Oh, it's either. It's along that same premise, but it, mm-hmm. it, it goes to, you know, hope of gain is nowhere near the motivator of fear of loss. If it's, yes. and, the, and then one of my favorite examples was when somebody taught me this, they said, if I called you at two in the morning on a Saturday and said, hey, there is a patio furniture sale, everything's 75% off. Would you get out of bed and go shopping? No. But if I called you at two in the morning and said, somebody has your patio furniture in their truck in your driveway and they're stealing it right now, would you get out of bed? Yes, you're losing something like the fear of loss versus the hope of gain is always more powerful. And you're it's funny. I just finished Better Call Saul. I don't know if you saw that series at all about. Yeah. So I just finished up the series finale last night. No, 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 no. uh, I I haven't watched the last three episodes. No spoilers. But the point is, it's about a con man. And you're right. Mm -hmm. Like most of all of that is it's the elusive. It's you can't have this. Oh, well, now you want it. Right. And mm-hmm. the harder it is to get it, the more we want things. And I mean, that's just human nature. It, it is American Hustle, which was is one of my favorite movies, too. You know, he explains it. Uh, the, the main character in there it kind, kind of explains it. You know, always say no. Always say no like four times because people will come back and ask. Mm-hmm. And then you have them on the hook. Um, so I'm not saying this is any kind of confidence game at <laughs> all. But it, it, it does it elicits a, a behavior. So something psychology, you know, psychologically in us to uh, that that FOMO, right? Fear of missing yep. out. So if you let your customers say no, if you exactly get to that no, if you say no yourself before they can say no, it it, it helps. It changes right? the dynamic too, right? It because does. it's also like you heard say, like, what happens when you chase somebody? They run, right? So like mm-hmm. when you're chasing somebody, even on the phone in a prospect where you're calling them every day, like they're avoiding you, right? But yes. when there's a reason or they feel like you're hard to get or you're exclusive to work with, right? It makes it more intriguing, at the very least more interesting. It's not like you said, it's not like we're trying to con people or like use psycho- psychological mm-hmm. like warfare to convince them. But again, it's a competition. Like they're doing their job. People are, you're trying to interrupt them in the middle of their day to get them mm-hmm. to have a conversation with you. You need some techniques to be able to intrigue them, to pique their interest so that you can have a genuine conversation because it isn't the same as if when you're running into somebody, you know, or you see it yeah. like a store or whatever, like it's a different dynamic. They're at their job. You're interrupting them. You've got to find some way to be able to get them intrigued so that they're actually listening to you when you're talking. Which brings up a good point. You're talking about calling, calling, cold calling. Is cold calling dead? Has it changed during the pandemic, especially in the brokerage game? I got a cold call to me yesterday for another broker. There's definitely <laughs> a guy that, so it's definitely not dead to answer the question, but this guy called me and I could tell he was brand new. And I like I kind of gave him like an attaboy for sounding stupid, but going for it anyway. He's like, hey, uh, I've been wanting to get onboarded with your company for a while now to to move some of your loads for you. And I was like, oh, are you a are you a carrier he's like no i'm a broker and i was like oh i was like well you know that we're a broker right so you wouldn't want to be calling me he's like oh i was like hey man just keep making more of these calls you get to the right people eventually so (laughs) cold calling's not dead and i you know i give credit to people that are willing to get into this industry and put in the time to do it because you get a lot of there are a lot of big box brokerages out there that when you start 
you have a list of leads to work from and there's probably some notes in there. So you're starting with something, but if you're building a brand new book of business and you're an independent agent or you're a licensed broker, you truly are starting from scratch, generating mm -hmm. your call list and cold calling. Um, I think, I think cold calling is probably the most effective method of prospecting because you get a lot of people that they do their email blast or things like that. Mm -hmm. They just try to hop right in and do some, do some bids and spend a lot of time on that. But if you put in the, the numbers and the time, I have yet to see one person. I think Ben, I think you said you've seen one person and only one that if you put in the right volume of activity, right, the results will be there on the other side if you're committed to it. I've never seen a single person that has not had that happen. How has it changed, right? I mean, that that's the I, I guess that's my key thing. How are people back in the office? Are people answering their office phones? Do you need their cell phones? Is there a new dynamic? Is there a new strategy? Because I agree with you 100%, Nate. If you make the calls, you will get the responses or you'll be out and in because you'll hate it not because you'll you lose your job but you'll just not want to do it but if you do it and you stick to it you are going to see the results because you're going to get better and better but i, I guess my question would be how has it changed i think I people think answer the phone so the one thing that i saw that's even changed a lot this year so i have a client um a coach a lot of the people in their brokerage so it's you know eight nine person brokerage they're doing about you know 150 loads a week size most of that, I'd say 75% of that business that they're doing right now, they developed during the pandemic and they didn't make any phone calls. It was all emails. They found creative ways to find the emails. And again, one of the biggest things that was different then was everybody needed a truck. So if you were able to get trucks, yeah. to be honest, nobody necessarily cared about the relationship as much as, I don't want to say they didn't care. It's just, they needed the truck so bad that yeah. if you're going to get them a truck and your MC's good, we'll onboard you take the load, right? It trumped everything, right? Yes. But what I'm seeing now from these same clients that I've been working with for a few years now, like they're now having to get on the phone because the emails aren't nearly as effective. They're two, mm -hmm. three times the amount of emails and they're not even getting the responses they were. Now to your other point, you've seen this exodus where people are now hybrid or they're not working out of the warehouse mm -hmm. where they maybe normally were, where they were tending the freight before. So a lot of the phone systems, maybe they're working their house, maybe they're off their cell phone. So you're seeing also two things happen where you're seeing programs like Zoom Info and some of these that are very good for getting that info, but also people are getting better at not using those phones, right? They're not working yeah. from home. So there's always a new, I think, tool to make it easier, but you're also going to have a change in the environment. So it's definitely shifting. And I think the way I always kind of go about this, even in coaching is I'm like, look, there is almost no emotion in a text. If you're writing something, unless you're a poet or an author, like, there's not, you're not going to build a relationship with me. I'm not going to have any mm -hmm. emotion. I don't feel good or bad. It's just, it is what I'm reading, right? It's but when you're transactional stuff, but yeah, transactional, yeah. right. And to move loads and to do business. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm saying like to turn a, you know, a prospect into a customer, right. Into a relationship that it needs the human interaction. Like that's where the emotion goes. Right. Like, and there's that other, like, People rarely remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Yes. Nobody remembers how you felt when you sent them an email. Like it's just a rate, the date or the details. The personality is what lasts. That's why. And I love that you guys did a, a, a podcast that I still send to people where you interviewed, I think somebody from, um, it was a big shipper. You, mm -hmm. um, oh, you yeah, asked yeah. Paul Estrada. Yeah. And, you, and yeah. in fact, I wanted to get him on our show to do a similar episode because it was I great. Should, yeah. You guys. 
you guys asked him, you're like, you know, in the entire time you were there, how many brokers did you work with and for how long? And I think he was like, what, four or five over a period of mm -hmm. seven or eight years. And he's like, we just stuck with them. And if, and I remember even in there, he didn't even know when you first asked him to be in the episode, you're like, well, why were you working with him? He's like, I, he kind of wasn't able to answer it. Yeah. But when you asked him again later in the episode, you're like, well, what do all five of these have in common? He gave the answer to why he was working with them. They were all personable. They all found unique ways to get a hold of him. Their mm -hmm. personality, their understanding of his company's supply chain. He's like, to be honest, I don't care what brokerage they work for. Those yep. are my guys. I look at them as an extension of my supply chain. And that's the personality and the things when people also ask me, like, do I think digital brokerages are going to eat up market share from traditional brokerages? It's just going to take, I think this is the biggest hurdle for those types of companies because the personality, the understanding and things change so much, you need to be able to think on your feet. That relationship and that ability to do those things, I think is the asset. And you just can't get that in place without doing it over the phone. And we're in person to some degree. So especially with the market right now where trucks are a lot easier to get in hand, the personality is what is going to is going to win you business. And again, it's not everybody likes every single kind of personality, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. you can't expect to make 100 calls and get 100 customers out of it. But if you have a strong, good personality and you can click with a lot of people very easily, it's going to help you leaps and bounds over someone that's mundane or sounds tired on the phone or just has kind of a, a negative attitude. Um, and I, I, people ask me all the time, they're like, well, how do I get, how do I get a better personality? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's like, well, how often do you talk on the phone to random people? Like, well, I, I, I don't, I, I'm a, like, it's intimidating. Well, go call 10 buddies that you went to college with and have that kind of awkward conversation, but have fun with it. Like practice a little bit of phone skills that way. And, um, you know, like Ben, you always say it too, like stand up when you're making your dials, smile when you're dialing. Um, I like, I, I always preach that if you're tired, have coffee before, before you start hopping on the phone. Cause otherwise you're just wasting your time right there. But personality goes a huge, huge way or a well, long to, way. to just add something to that. I mean, it works one way and not the other. You can act your way into a different way of thinking, but you cannot think your way into a different way of acting. Meaning like if you smile, it literally changes the physiology and will send dopamine to your brain and will actually make you a little happier. Right. Um, if you stand up, it changes your physiology and your blood pressure and it actually gives you a little bit more energy and a little pep. So like there are things you can do to tweak that. And to your point, it's like everything else, right? Anything that you're not good at takes practice to get better at. Even talking, maybe it just was before you remembered it, but you practiced it just like my three-year-old daughter is now, right? And anything you want to get better at, you've got to do more of it. And yeah, it's tough at first, but if you can push through that and get the reps in, that's the only path to improvement. And I think too, I just want to add one last piece on the cold calling part is people, they'll do this procrastination thing where they're like, I've got to have the perfect script. I've got to, I've got to know every objection. I've got to have every answer to every single question that they ask me. And, and the reality is that's not, that's not the case. You are, there's going to be a phase of your, your cold calling part of your career where it's just, it's going to be strictly learning right? Very, very little effectiveness as far as getting business, but you're going to be developing that skill and, and really flexing and growing those muscles. So that it becomes easier the next time you do it. Like, like, for example, Ben, you and I, and Kevin, probably for you too, at this point, if I hop on the phone with a random person I've never met, it's not weird at all, right? It's, it's like exciting to, to get to talk to them and meet somebody mm -hmm. new and get to learn about what they got going on in their world. Whereas 
in the past, it was like a very, very intimidating thing where I'm like, well, I don't know this person. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Well, maybe you will the first handful of times. You probably should. So you can mm -hmm. figure out what not to do to sound awkward. But it's part of the it's part of the process. And that's why, you know, I, I always tell people that when you're brand new, it's a success if you put the dials in regardless of the outcome. Just put the dials in, have the conversations. You might sound like an idiot. They're not going to remember you six months from now or a month from now if you, if, you know, when you call them back again when you're more confident. It doesn't matter whatsoever, right? And and putting the reps is, uh, I can't emphasize it enough. Putting in the reps, no matter what you do, and, and before when I said either you're going to be successful or you're going to be out, you're going to you're going to quit yourself, right? Because you don't want to put in the reps to be good at it. And if you don't want to, that's fine as as well. Uh, find whatever you really want to do and put in the reps and the practice on that. Uh, you know, a, another great analogy for the three of us is podcasting. I was just going to say that. Being on video, doing all of that, getting in front of people and talking, right? The, the first few times you do it, you're you're horrific. It doesn't matter. You you got to keep on getting up, doing it. You you get better. You, you have to get better or you're going to stop doing it. Think yeah. about Zoom meetings, right? Like I used yes. to hate video mm -hmm. conferencing and then the pandemic forced me to like be like, this is actually a very effective way to, to meet somebody that to do business with brand new and get to know them a lot faster because you could see their facial expression. You can kind of see their, how their body's animated and everything. And now it's just a way of life. And we went from our podcast being audio only to now it's on, on YouTube. So mm -hmm. um, that's just another kind of thing that you just, you kind of get used to. What's so funny. I was, I was going to say that right before you said that, Kevin, I was like, I still, cause I, one of my clients is just starting to do YouTube um, for business. Mm -hmm. And we were going through what it was like when I first started, I'm like, Oh, my first podcast, like, cold sweats nervous like literally oh, yeah. like had a towel next to me like like couldn't move my arms was like so nervous just sitting here like this and i remember getting done and it was like exhausting i was so tired mm -hmm. after like the first 45 minutes i'm like that was really rough but again <laughs> second time gets a little easier and then it just becomes part of something you do it, it does you know i mean we uh we scheduled this a couple weeks ago we sat down and we uh we turned on the we, we all logged into zencaster and we were discussing in the green room, right, what we're going to talk about, you yeah. know, and, and your first or second times, you're going to be worried about that for two weeks and you're going to yeah. try to prepare and you're going to, you know, uh, you know, it takes all this mental energy to uh, to, to, to process all these feelings. And, and now it's just you show up. We're going to talk about something. Uh, we all know each other very well. We're just going to have a normal conversation and it's going to be fine. Yeah, I used to spend like no joke, probably half an hour putting together like show notes that were so mm -hmm. structured with bullet points and now me and ben are like hey what should we do for this episode this week I'm like yeah that sounds good see you in there because <laughs> exactly. the the like if you could just be conversational and you know if you're comfortable in your own skin and with your own voice you know it muscle memory and your your, your comfortability with it will just take the wheel so and i think i think these are all kind of the same things we're talking about right it's your ability to have a conversation with people mm -hmm. you don't know and to be kind of yourself right like to be able to bring your personality through and to be able to talk the same way you would like your best friend and again takes reps right like that's why even the bigger mm -hmm. companies usually most of the bigger companies have like absolutely like almost no goals except for call output for like your first two months they don't expect you to get anything. They don't expect you to get a yes. They don't expect you to get a load. They don't expect you to move anything. What they expect you to do is to get on the bike and fall off and keep mm -hmm. doing that every day until you can ride the bike. And then 
okay, now what are we going to do now that you know how to use this tool? That's pretty much your first month to two months yep. in sales. Yep. And it is, it is discouraging for a lot of people because they, you know, there's uh, I think freight brokerage is, is probably similar with like real estate, right? Where people, they think, oh man, you can go out there and make so much money. And like, I want to hop in on this and they'll, they'll go out and they'll like, I'm going to do it. They get all registered. They get signed up for, a, you know, whatever course or whatever. And then they're like, why isn't it, why isn't it working? And then two months later, they're like, they, they quit. Right. So like Ben, we've even had people that they've, you know, purchased stuff from us and then asked for like a refund two months later, like this, this didn't work. And it's like, well, did you, <laughs> did you apply yourself the proper way? You know what I mean? Like it's because you get your authority and everything's in place. People aren't just going to call you asking for trucks. You have to go out there and actually, you got to go hunt something down, kill it, drag it back and eat it for dinner. Right. It's, it's not all handed to you. It, it is. And, and whether you're talking about that, that sales job, you know, going out on your own, starting at a big box broker, starting at a small broker, starting as a real estate agent, uh, starting a brand, starting a podcast, right? It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. There, there is no overnight successes anywhere. You have to put in the reps and those reps are getting comfortable in your skin. If, if we go back to the podcasting thing, right? Getting comfortable in your skin, uh, getting comfortable hearing your voice, because I don't think anyone goes into this being comfortable with the sound of the voice at first. And maybe not ever, but you get comfortable with your uncomfortableness, I I Mm -hmm. suppose. Right. Um, So, you know, if you expect to start any sales position anywhere or any business or anything that that's worthwhile and you expect results in the first couple of months, you uh, are delusional yeah let me say this too this is something that i benefited from early on is if you and this goes in addition to putting the reps in go around if you work in an office go around and listen to how other salespeople are on the phone right i'm not saying that you're going to learn all every single little trick you're going to learn you're going to hear things that you hate and you're like why are they doing that and they probably aren't a very good salesperson right but Mm -hmm. So I picked up very quickly on, I love how he says that. I love the way that he starts a conversation that way. I'm definitely never going to do what he's doing over there, but you could just kind of pick up different things that you may not have thought about just listening on other people. And like for, um, for freight brokering and prospecting shippers, there are like, there's hours and hours of content on YouTube of people just recording themselves cold calling. Like I've Mm -hmm. I've seen them before. I'm like, I kind of wonder like, why would somebody like, they didn't even blur out their customer's name. And I'm like, well, it's a cold call. It doesn't make a difference. You can find that information on Google. But um, yeah, I mean, just lit- if you don't work in an office, go on YouTube and listen to somebody cold calling and just kind of pick up on the rhythm and their tone of voice and the, the, the way it's not even what they're asking. It's how they're asking these questions. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's, what, what is it? 95% of communication or 90%? So it's, non-verbal. it's up there is all nonverbal. All yep. communication is nonverbal, right? So, so what, the words that you're choosing uh, matter don't, don't matter nearly as much as your attitude emotion creates emotion what, what comes through on your voice inflection that, that's what really matters yep 100 yep. and to what you were saying kevin i think that's one of the biggest things that i think people new to this industry can take a take a beat from or a, a, maybe a lesson from is that like 
I, I see the people that have the biggest issues are related to their expectations. Like you said, right? They're expecting everybody they call to have business for them. And when that doesn't happen, it's just very demoralizing, right? So one mm -hmm. of the first things we say when we work with anybody that's just starting this is, this is the expectation. You're going to expect to call a thousand to 2000 people and maybe speak to a couple dozen. And out of those couple dozen, maybe one or two is willing to give you some things to maybe quote. Like that's the expectation. Expect to call hundreds of people and reach a handful. Like, because when you understand that this is the hill you've got to climb and it's not this, when you go over to it, like it's not as frustrating because you're not expecting it to be this much easier, right? So again, if you know it's going to be difficult, set out to, for it to be difficult. Don't yes. expect to get customers your first day. At least you aren't going to be frustrated on top of having to learn how to do this. Expectation sure. management is huge. <laughs> it really huge. is. It really is. Well, yes. guys, thanks for, for dropping by here on Put yeah. Coffee Down today. Um, it's always, always a pleasure seeing you guys, talking to you guys. Um, how, does our, how do our listeners reach out, learn more about Freight 360, all the things you're doing. I know you can you can go to wherever you download podcasts and uh, type in Freight 360 and and subscribe or follow, whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, but but where, where else can we find you? I'd say probably one of the easiest ways is our website, Freight360.net. There's a contact form on there. That's where the majority of our listener questions come through. And on YouTube, too, if you just search Freight 360, um, but yeah, definitely uh, reach out if you guys got questions. We're happy to to chat about them. Hey, you can find right. us both on find us both on LinkedIn. We've got a Facebook group, Freight Brokers and Carriers Network, and yeah, subscribe to our YouTube channel or you know wherever you find your podcast. Perfect. Thanks again, and for everyone out there, you can catch us live here on Freightwaves TV every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. TV.freightwaves.com or wherever you download your podcast. But that wraps it for this episode. I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expenses to win and expensive. I got expenses to win and expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. Cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more.